Yo, this is Sam Yunin. Welcome to my summer layer, and welcome my guest Dave Brown, a creative director at Microsoft. We recorded this interview on the Microsoft campus in Seattle inside a treehouse. What? The company built treehouses for their employees to work out of. That's so crazy cool. Now, I want to record all my interviews in treehouses. I dig this episode and talking to talented individuals like Dave because I don't believe in unicorns. This idea that like I'm the only one. I may be weird and I may be quirky. I may even think or create differently, but I, I don't believe I'm the only one. This show is an attempt to prove none of us are unicorns, but also more importantly, to form a community based on shared connection. It's so amazing to create something out of nothing. I met Dave, who along with Taj Reed delivered a fascinating talk called Creative Problem Solving at FITC. FITC is amazing. If you've never been, you gotta go. Google FITC. You'll hear bits and pieces of that talk that Dave delivered as he and I talk, as he describes how he got from New York City to Seattle and Microsoft. Welcome, Dave Brown, to my summer layer. Before we get into all the uh, fun stuff, I got to ask what kicks you're wearing today. <laughs> oh, these are just some old Nike Cortez. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're definitely breaking apart, but um, yeah, they're... Um, just ones I love. I can't even find them anymore. I should have, I always say to myself, I'm going to buy, like when you find like a, a pair of pants or shoes, you know, that are awesome. I'm going to buy multiple, ver- you know, extras of those. I, I never take my own advice and I always kick myself for it. So do, yeah. <laughs> do you, do, do you pick the shoes, but depending on the day or the type of creativity you have to have for the day, or is it just mm. by mood or vibe or what's the, what's your kicks? kind of philosophy yeah that's a great question for work it's twofold it's um whatever the wardrobe uh i'm wearing that day so like obviously want something complimentary to to the wardrobe and then the second part is being complimentary to the weather being in the pacific northwest a lot of overcast a lot of rain um, but we do enter that summer months where it's just gorgeous and so you get a little bit more flexibility to to sort of uh, flex those uh you know sneakerhead uh (laughs) muscles so um so yeah that's kind of what goes into it so you mentioned being in the Pacific Northwest. Explain what you do, uh, where you work, and then kind of uh, two or three of your favorite bands. It could be rap bands, rock yeah, bands. Nice. Uh, so just kind of give us a little bit of background of that to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. My name's Dave Brown. Uh, I'm a creative director here at Microsoft, where I currently work on inventing the future. And so um, pretty broad statement, but uh, <laughs> I've been uh, really lucky enough to work on a lot of great projects as well as just with some great people where we're working on things like 3D, uh, a lot of AR, VR experiences, uh, really focused uh, currently around doing a lot of uh, camera AI work, uh, thinking about productivity, how to make, when you take a, a photograph in the work environment, how to make it faster to get to the destination of like whatever intent you're taking that photo for. So a lot of machine learning, uh, computer vision work, um, just having a ton of fun, like really enjoying the learning side of all of that. Uh, and also just the making side where we can actually you know, listen to customers, typically in our instance, in the, in the enterprise customers, like, you know, a company as big as like Starbucks or Boeing, understanding what their challenges are with workflows and efficiencies and how we can improve their lives um, to, to just be quicker, more productive and make more impact. Uh, in terms of bands, oh man, huge Beach Boys fan. Um, it's the first concert I ever went to, six years old, left a, left a mark on me. And so Beach Boys, but all the way on the other side of the spectrum, Tribe Called Quest, um, I'm from New York originally, and so a lot of like um, you know Biggie and Tribe uh, played a big uh, influence in me growing up, especially in Queens, uh, and then living in Brooklyn. 
so uh, yeah, everything from you know old school hip hop to um, Beach Boys, and I also really like a lot of just um, like some older classic rock, like Neil Young as well. Big influence, Canadian. Yeah, represent. <laughs> a lot of people uh, often who know me well think I should have. I was born in the wrong country. That they they always say because I'm such a big hockey fan. I'm a huge hockey fan. Uh, that I that I should be uh, born and born from Canada. So I got a lot of a lot of love for Canada. There you go. Yeah, yeah. that's nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You like the maple syrup too, and the the Canadian beer. Yeah, you know. I don't get too much into that. I appreciate it for sure. But for me, hockey's like the, the, the massive love, I would say, that comes out of your country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also, New York City is a big hockey town. As much as it's a big, like, the Rangers kind of get some popularity. There's a, there's a certain kind of group with Die Hard with the uh, Long Island, right? The Islanders. The yeah. Islanders, right? Yeah. So they, there is a, like a, a solid group there. But I mean, New York City is kind of like, it has a broad range of stuff. And I mean, you just mentioned like Biggie and things like that. So yeah. what kind of influence did New York City have on terms of your work, your design, your aesthetic? Like, cause New York City's huge yeah. for that stuff. Yeah. It's a great question. It had, I mean, at the time when I was younger, probably just, you know, indirectly not realizing the influence that it was having on me by being in it, you know, and surrounded by, you know, multiple, like just a total melting pot of diversity and ethnicity and, you know, even the cuisine that you can get exposed to just everywhere. It's just, it's it's a beautiful thing and it's something when you grow up in that you kind of almost don't even realize you take for granted the fact that you're sort of socialized in a way where um the inequalities that uh exist in our world um that are much more apparent uh, in other environments i think uh, not to say that they don't exist in new york they absolutely do but i really appreciate the fact that i grew up in that area because just getting exposure, I think, to all wakes of life. Um, my grandfather drove a taxi cab in New York for 35 years. and He must have seen everything. He must have seen everything. And when I was real young, I got to ride. I would always ask to ride with him along on weekends or summers when I was off of school. And I remember being real young and just like sitting there. And, and one of the things he, he told me when I first started riding with him was he it was to like keep your mouth shut <laughs> when new customers are in and just listen. But he was more saying that not to like behaviorally discipline me, mm-hmm. but to actually teach me something, the art of listening. And I think that carried through all the way to what I do now, you know, and being a designer, listening is a huge part, and especially as a creative manager um, and something I take super seriously. And, and I have such a passion for which is working with people and, and helping career development and mentoring and just collaborating. Um, the art of listening is a huge tool and it sounds easy, but it's really not. It's really difficult. And so that's something I'm constantly trying to be better at and also just remind myself. I think growing up in New York and just exposure to art and music and, you know, uh, public transportation and just all this, you know, diversity of thoughts and, and expression you know, graphic t-shirts to graffiti art and all that stuff. The um, signs on the wall. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, you know, I was paying attention to typography when I didn't even know what typography was, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So like it played a big role and going back now, uh, my brother and his family still live there. Uh, most have moved on, but I love going back. Just, it certainly feels like home and I can kind of bring a new lens. I think when I go back to to the city and just sort of, uh, sit back and just be a people watcher. There's that Jay-Z line in uh, empire state, 8 million stories. Yeah. Right. Totally. And that's like there's so much, like you said, just going on and just trying to absorb all of that and all those eight million stories and like the stores and the taxi cabs and stuff is a lot. 
And I mean, that's kind of, that's what sometimes with design is too, especially now the way we kind of operate as people, we go through the internet and we watch movies and then, you know what I mean? We're constantly bombarded by images and topography and For like, sure. you know what I mean? So it's almost like you had good background <laughs> kind of soaring through all that stuff with New York City. I say indirectly, you know, earlier because I was so privileged to be a, be a part of that in that space and, and in that environment where I took it for granted. You know, I fully did. Like I didn't own the privilege I even had at, the, at that time. And so, you know, looking back at, or listening to these records um, and, and really thinking about what those lyrics mean meant more, mean more to me now mm -hmm. than, you know, I didn't even really know what the hell that stuff meant back in the day, <laughs> you know, cause I just took it for, for granted. And so you surrounded by all this design, all these 8 million stories. And so what was the first inkling that you want to start going kind of in this design, graphic design kind of direction? Yeah, I didn't really know that that was something that I wanted to do. I mean, I, like many young, uh, dumb <laughs> kids in their you know teens, I was in punk rock bands, just the whole DIY punk rock movement. I got exposed to bands like, you know, Minor Threat and Fugazi and on one hand. And then, you know, once I got entered that world of punk rock, it really changed my mindset and, and really probably my life. I mean, I got really interested in sort of that maker movement and just the whole DIY uh, movement. I started creating my own fanzine, like self-teaching yourself graphic design. I was, I think as a, anyone who's interested in design, sort of like the prerequisite before becoming any designer is you have to design a t-shirt. I mean, it's like the, the pop culture, icon, you know, most iconic thing you can possibly think of. And cotton and, canvas. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so that was something I always just sort of wanted to do. And every, the way I think I approached design though was more of as a hobby. I never really thought of it as a business full-time. I would just bypass that level of thinking and just go to the doing. Mm -hmm. So I found ways to just like create my zine, uh, doing the writing, doing the figuring out the printing, then ele elevating that and, you know, going from like cut and paste, like Kinko style, you know, while everyone else is at, in a sorority or, you know, at college, I'd be at Kinko's, you know, on a Friday night, uh, Xeroxing my, my zines together and interviewing bands and, uh, to then elevating it to newsprint and understanding offset printing and, you know, thinking about then the software side of things of what programs I wanted to use to design. And, and all of that was just teaching yourself because you were so passionate about something. And I honestly, no one was really guiding me towards a career. This is a career. I, the thought of going to art school was never once even like approached in my, either in my own thinking or from my social circles that, Hey, there's a career you can have in this probably also because I was very interested in already establishing myself in, in teaching. Like I really had found a track that within sociology that I really love the understanding of people. And I, I was really excited about that. And I, that was where my head was at was wanting to go down that road. But on the side, I was always doing all these side hustles that had everything to do with essentially becoming a designer from doing the t-shirts and record covers and posters and writing zines and, you know, laying out the zines with my partners uh, and, and just trying to find anyone I could to collaborate with, you know, to just do more and more and more or playing in bands, you know, and booking tours and thinking about how you market, you know, yourself to uh, selling records or just getting shows and just gaining an audience and building a, a mailing list. And all of those things were indirectly like skills that I was building without really thinking of an endpoint that this is what I'm going to do for a career. So where does your hustle come from? Does it come from New York city then or punk? Because both of them, they're, they're slightly different hustles. 
You know what I mean? Sometimes New York City kind of falls into the economic hustle, right? Even the hot dog guy wants to sell so many hot dogs. Oh, yeah. Right? And then punk is kind of trying to get spread either a message or an idea sometimes. I think there's like a thread that's between both those, and that's the entrepreneurial thread. Like my grandfather being that cab driver in New York for so long, he worked for himself and uh, made up his own hours, but he hustled hard. He worked long hours. Uh, just to feed the family, you know, and to put food on the, on, uh, to make our lives better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that really influenced me. And then the punk rock side of things. Yeah, definitely. Like the understanding that I never really came at it from a political standpoint. It was more, I was really attracted to the do it yourself side of things. Just, Oh, um, you don't have to go get uh, a master's degree or go to you know business school to become great at something. You know you can actually be self-taught in something. And I I wanted to master Photoshop, right? And so I can make a T-shirt and ma- master Photoshop and Illustrator and at the time PageMaker and all these other Quark and Dreamweaver and all those different programs because I had different endpoints. Like I want to make a website or I want to make a zine. Um, and then later in life it was, you know, make an app or write a book. And so, but it was always just that drive, I think of being influenced from both probably, it was just really the entrepreneurship that came from both sides of the equation. It's kind of like to use an analogy for you. It's like hockey, right? A lot of the hockey kids will play in the street or they'll like try and like hit a, so- a tennis ball into a washing machine or against the garage, right? And you're trying to aim and you're trying to do that precision. And a lot of it is just, you're just having fun at first, right? You're not really sure what this is going to be and you're not going to be the na- next Wayne Gretzky or anything. Totally. Right? But you keep chipping away and all of a sudden you realize, I got good at this somewhere along the way. And I don't even think I ever got good at anything, really. <laughs> I think I got like okay at a lot of those things. I was an okay design, like graphic designer. I was an okay web, you know, I could make a website. But like I was, I thought, I think at some point it hit me that I became a lot more in tune with the fact that I was better at be on the business side of things, the strategy and the vision and incubation. Like I was really attracted to that. So like, here's an example. When I was younger, I would play in a band thinking I was awesome. I was not awesome in any way. Like we sucked, Um, but we had fun. Right. And it was great. And we toured and we learned all this great lessons about being in band and all those trials and tribulations, but we were pretty terrible. (laughs) Um, but, uh, it hit me that I love that space in the music and the industry. It really hit me that, Hey, maybe my role is better off actually helping people succeed in bands. Cause I actually loved, like I'm a weirdo who would go, play play a show you know or, or even just go watch a show at like a punk rock uh, venue and then later that night i'd find myself watching like msnbc and like who does that i don't know and like <laughs> i've definitely felt like an outcast weirdo because i like i equally love like the punk rock in you know, an entrepreneurial doi movement maker movement and on the flip side i really love like you know having conversations about you know business and like world trade and economics and so social issues and um and I wasn't sure, I never saw, there was no one that I could point to that was like, wow, making me feel like that's okay, I can go down that road. And so I just kept trying things and trying things. And that's where I think, um, I just had this passion that, and I just wrote it. You know, I started my own company with Holiday Matinee because I just like had friends who were in doing bands, uh, music, that I wanted to help 
you know, their careers. It turns out some of them became really well known and others didn't. And I made lots of mistakes and sometimes I, I made great decisions that helped. And then for music, I expanded to marketing and expanded to just doing more design work and consulting. And then, you know, that leads, you know, writing a book and, you know, building an office with the team and understanding how that management works and accounting. And, you know, one of the things that is great that you learn about r running your own business is you make a ton of mistakes, but you're, you become a really good problem solver. Um, it's kind of similar to working at an agency uh, where you're not given a whole lot in terms of resources and especially in terms of timing to like solve a, a problem for a client. Um, you got to act quick. You got to wear many hats and you've got to be a really good problem solver. And when you're working with, uh, you mentioned Holiday Matinee, for example, and you're working with bands or different companies, the success of a project, are you defined, are you defining success of a project by what the company wants or what the band wants or what you want? Because you're trying to learn certain skills. You're trying to apply different things your success may be different or may look different than the company that hired you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you run your own company, you, you get to decide the rules and establish the principles that you want. And so um, we were really lucky that the, the clients we had were ones that we you know, had chosen essentially to work with as well as them choosing us. And so when we did work with whether it was a band or um, a big company that wanted to, you know, work with us on consulting on a particular project. Can you give me an example? Um, I think you worked with Death Cab for Cutie, right? Yep. Yeah, I worked with those guys for, for several years on, on a couple different records. And what about so, on the corporate side? What's an example of a... Gosh, worked with everyone from like Xbox to, you know, hosting their Super Bowl um, event in San Diego years ago uh, to doing work with uh, helping Apple launch their iTunes um, music cards program when that mm -hmm. first came out. Uh, at South by Southwest, um, we've done some work, for, uh, product development work for Zappos, where we created some uh, a new line of in their um, in their website for some new features for shopping. Um, so yeah, like a, a total, you know, con and then on the on the music side, it was you know the Album Leaf was a band that we worked with that we I went on to manage and had like an amazing run with and worked with bands like Cigaros and uh, Cat Power and Braid and. Um, all, all over the spectrum, started a record label with my partner, Paul, who, which we still have today, you know, signed a lot of different bands. Um, so it was a little bit of everything, but in terms of to your question about like setting sort of goals, um, or uh, uh, identifying sort of that level of success, it varied from client to client, right? It was about understanding each situation. So like what was death cab, you know, situation while well, they were releasing a new album. Um, and so at the time it was Barsuk records an independent label from Seattle. That was our client. And, you know, hiring us on this particular project was like the goal was to get as much press as possible. Um, that's how we were measured is essentially, you know, the, you know, which writers we could get to, to give coverage to the band, both on the new album and then package that in with a new tour that they're going to go and hit the road and try and facilitate as much coverage as we could on as many mediums from print to online to television, et cetera. If it was on the, on the company side, you know, then could be like a, a product development thing for Zappos where we actually, you know, storyboard stuff out and do prototypes and then, you know, have checkpoints with the client. But the goal there was to like deliver a feature that helps solve, you know, a problem for, for some of their shoppers uh, at that moment. And in terms of, you were talking about making mistakes, but before that you also talked about like going to school and learning sociology and things like that. One of the focuses of your work is kind of like empathy. It's human driven empathy. Um, it's kind of like a positive message as well. I don't want to sound like an after-school special. Is that the best way to put it? <laughs> <laughs> I will side with that any day of the week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because um, you mentioned Tribe Called kindness, Quest right like, off the bat. Know, yeah, right? like 
Yeah, I just think like all of those, certainly the musical influences, but certainly people, right? Like at the end of the day, you know, the people that you work with and surround yourself with have such a profound effect on you, you know, and um, and so for holiday matinee, like, you know, the people that I hired or just people that, you know, were I've always felt were just like so kind hearted and also down for the hustle. Um, and they sacrificed a lot to be, you know, at the time, you know, we weren't like a slick company by any means with like crazy 401k plans or health insurance or any of that stuff. We were just going for it and trying to build it as we went along. And so um, now, you know, being at a company like Microsoft and having worked in, you know, more corporate environments, I'm very in tune with trying to sort of set that tone with my team and just who I, you know, the aesthetic that I can sort of carry with me um, as a, as a, you know, an, a human and as a responsible person, like to just lead with kindness, you know, and, and I've been lucky enough to be in design management positions where I get to build teams or foster a, a really inclusive environment that feels not only safe for people to do, like ensure that they have a voice and that their voice is being heard, but also that, you know, that it feels like that they've got the tools and the environment to do their best work. And so, um, that is definitely something that I think I was woke to when I went to, went to college and, and majored in sociology and specifically gender studies, because that was really a wake up call for me. Um, in many ways, um, I've been living such a privileged life and continue to do so on a lot of levels, but I try and um, use that as responsibility now to actually help sort of push that perspective and just, you know, broach that conversation to just make sure that as a, as a team and as, as, a, as a contributor to this world, we can lead with kindness and like I just, you know, it just hasn't steered me wrong yet, you know, there's just so much bullshit and negativity in the world and um, I want to combat that with like creative energy and kindness. And there's that whole debate with comedy, right? Like how we have comedy schools and you can enroll in comedy classes and stuff and teach stand up and things like that. And there's the whole debate whether you can teach funny or not funny or whether you can know what funny is or not funny. Can you do the same thing with empathy? Is it the same thing or are you kind of front end loaded? When you're born, kind of, and then that's you have certain empathy, or is it something as a muscle you can? Yeah, I think you can absolutely continue to build it. I mean, I was like blind to it. I think for so many years, and I think there's even now. I'm 42. I'm still blind to certain things that like. There's a lot for me to still learn, and I'm learning and growing every day. And the, I think the beauty is like if you could find great people that you can like insert yourself into a team or like even not just a a work environment, but even in your personal environment, whether it's the relationships you keep and friendships you make, uh, if you can afford to travel and just even to like within your own community or abroad or wherever, um, try and take advantage of those. If you can, um, look for the programs that can also open up those doors if you can't, you know, and sometimes that means just even reaching out to like folks over, you know, Skype or uh, FaceTime or listening to this podcast, you know, if you're listening right now and you're like, shit, like easy for you to say, Dave, like I- I'm fully aware of that. Um, but I will say this, hit me up. Like, you know, let's open that door. Let's have a dialogue because I would love to learn just as much about whoever's listening to this as, as uh, you know, hopefully you are with, with what you're hearing today. And so, so yeah, absolutely. Like, I think, I don't think it's you're you're born with it. I think you're certainly born and socialized with certain things. And, you know, what I found is I've got folks on my team, even you you get confronted with that um, have never, you know, sort of even thought about something uh, that they're confronted with. Like, here's a great example. Like, 
working on a project here at Microsoft, I'm, one of the things that I do is I'm constantly trying doing lots of storytelling, different personas, um, trying to make sure people truly understand the people that we're, we're designing for. And in our case, it's a global audience. And so that is every wake of life. It's mm-hmm. not just people who are white and have Warby Parker glasses and beards that somewhat look like me. Um, <laughs> there's enough of us out there. Like, no, this is like a needs to be a diverse you know, mindset. And, and so, um, I'm constantly trying to, you know, push perspective by introducing, you know, and what feels like today, the non-traditional sort of perspectives, because it's not just a bunch of white people or white emojis. And, you know, like, so just even those, what feels like a little thing is actually a really big deal. And when you present that, you have to also recognize that there's people that you might work with in your environment that aren't even exposed at that level at all to these things. And to, to talk to someone or introduce change into someone's world when all they've known for so many years of growing up is one way, it's a hard thing to comprehend. And so to be there, to have patience and to listen again, back to the listening thing, like you really, you know, like just being able to have that dialogue with someone and really be there. I think, um, I've, I've seen it firsthand where it's actually, you can go and get beyond that and start making strides to, to sort of uh, coexist in a really great way. If you grew up in a household where you had two parents and they loved each other, it's hard for you to relate to somebody who grew up in a f- household where they got divorced, right? That's kind yeah. of what you're saying. It reminds me of um, Questlove recently wrote a book called Creative Quest. I don't know. Have you read it? Or I haven't. And he was just here doing a book tour and I couldn't go, but okay. oh, I was killing myself for okay. missing that. That's your homework. But yep. on uh, page <laughs> 69, he kind of talks about what you're saying. He writes, at some point, rather than worry about who's influencing you, you're going to worry about whether or not you're influencing others, right? And yeah, this is kind of what awesome. you're saying with the team because now like you are aware of certain things, you're aware of empathy, whatever, and you're doing all this really cool stuff with Holiday Matinee. But now you transition over to Microsoft. So why, if Holiday Matinee, you're working with different companies and different bands and all this stuff, you're kind of like dating, you're kind of seeing other people or whatever, other co- corporations, <laughs> why settle down with like Microsoft and just deal with like one company and one corporate environment? Well, um, first of all, I'll say uh, I hope I'm not settling down. Um, I'm certainly um, not looking at this as like this is my last stop mm-hmm. uh, by any means. To me, it's um, I've always just been sort of infinitely curious about life. And as a designer or as a creative, I'm constantly just like in love with like where things are heading. Like I think it's so exciting of what where we live today. Um, with what's going on in terms of technology and even like the crazy shit that's happening. Yeah. I'm fully like aware of it, but at the same respect, like, holy shit, there's like now voice infrastructures, you know, disrupting the, the world. And, um, we're talking to these devices and, um, it's only at the cusp of like what we're about to go do in, in years from now. And so VR is really VR, AR, mixed reality, like, you know, all this stuff, like it's going to sound like a common commercial, you know, uh, (laughs) Microsoft paid probably bazillion dollars for, but, um, it's so exciting to be a designer and to be a creative, like, or be an artist right now in this moment, because it's just, I don't know, it's just like incredible. There's so much opportunity to learn and, and create and experiment. Holy shit. It's so exciting. And so for me, I have had that, I had done holiday matinee pretty much full time for almost 12 years. Um, and then I went and decided, you know what? I want to go see, I need to learn more. I want to go try and like, up my game. I want to learn more like skills. Uh, I want to learn more about myself. And so, um, I had the great opportunity to go to Etsy for a little bit, 
then I went to an uh, experiential marketing agency called MKG, got to learn a whole new set of skills into a different set of industries. Then I went to a traditional PR firm, but it was independently owned and family run, um, had an amazing experience there. Again, each time was like a going up to another experience and oftentimes going into places that were like stereotypically like why would you do that you know why would you want to go like you mr punk rock background like guy from queens like you're the last person we thought would enter up at microsoft and to be honest when microsoft called me and recruited me the first thing i said to them was i hate your brand and i've never been a fan of windows and you know i'm total apple fanboy like stereotyped and all um but they responded basically saying, yeah, we, we had a feeling that would come up and that's kind of why we wanted to, you know, we're trying to find folks like you that to help diversify our thinking and bring some disruptive methodologies to the table. And so for me, it's a matter, it's, it's not like, uh, uh I hope, um, you know, like this is my end game, um, by any means to me, it's more like I, I'm constantly curious about the world and the one big piece that I had yet to tackle was sort of like what's it like to be inside one of the biggest tech companies in the world because I wanted to learn everything I could about how a company at that level can build products to a global audience at scale. What's it like to work as a creative inside a massively big engineering environment? Um, where design traditionally doesn't have a seat at the table. What's it like to work in an environment where you need to think about things like accessibility for people with disabilities, whether it's reading disabilities or seeing disabilities? And, you know, how do you build hardware or software to help, you know, so everyone can experience these things? And so um, I knew it was going to be a massive learning curve for me, and that's and it was going to be massively uncomfortable. And that's why I wanted to sort of, proactively say you know what i'm going like turn to my wife and she was like are, are we moving to seattle I'm like are you cool with that when she gave <laughs> me the, like thumbs up i was like i think so yeah <laughs> let's do it and it's been challenging i won't lie like it's been it's been tough like this company um is incredible in a lot of ways and it's but being a creative at this company is definitely difficult and trying to bring that sort of old school punk rock Dave methodologies that are still in me, you know, mm -hmm. the DIY spirit into an environment like this. It took a little bit of time to figure out like the, at what level to sort of insert that and when to sort of peel back and um, as well as just the whole learning cycle. Right. And I'm learning about machine learning, you know, software and uh, algorithms and, you know, lots around camera and computer vision stuff. And now tons of AI, which all of that ladders up to, but, and I'm fascinated with there's a big difference between product design, which is pretty big buzzwords today, um, then like no one was even calling that product design back. It was just design, yeah. right? Like now it's like product design. Are you a product designer? Are you a brand designer? Are you, you know, uh, what is a creative director do? And like all that stuff. And I just think it's funny. Like, I don't know. At the end of the day, I just I've really fallen in love with like tackling like human problems and seeing how we can approach solving them with technology in a way that the technology feels as frictionless as possible. I'm, I'm just really excited about that. And then now you layer in all these new technologies, like the AR and VR uh, stuff, the 3D, all the different Holograms. hardware types. Yeah, what you know, what HoloLens is doing here um, it was pretty exciting, and I get to work within that, within those, you know, with those technologies. And then thinking about voice and how you know hands-free and what voice is going to do in sort of the productive space, but also our home space and. Um, you know, the future feels really exciting. And um, 
so yeah, like I'm, I'm definitely not done with uh, being inside this space. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I'll stay at this company per se, but, but I'm just saying like, I'm really excited about building things and continuing to work with people who are building things feels like that's kind of what my superpower is because I get to bring the, the fun sort of zine mentality and, and music mentality into these environments. And I love that. It's really exciting. Knowing your superpower, does that allow you to be like a kind of an idea tourist? So you can go out and you can kind of see different ideas and stuff like this. And you kind of, quote unquote, have a home base to return to. You know who you are. You're a punk rock kid from New York City, right? So you, because you have that structure already built, it's the same thing. Like I can come here to Seattle and we can hang out in this tree. This really cool tree house on the Microsoft campus. And then I go back to my real life, right? I'm Sammy in Toronto and I know who I am. You get what I'm saying? Because like that idea of tourism and being an idea tourist, you can kind of go in and sample different things and see different things on a campus like Microsoft, which is constantly, just like you said, growing and all these diff- facing mm-hmm. all these different challenges. You can be an idea tourist and kind of check out different things and see what's happening. But because you know who you are, you have a base to return to. Yeah, and to be honest, I don't know where my base is. To, uh, you know, like, I haven't figured it all out. I'm still in that same boat where I might be that idea tourist. And I love that, ex- that, that analogy and that expression. Um, I might steal it. <laughs> um, <Okay>. It's awesome. <laughs> it's yours. Uh, I, I love that. And yeah. I do feel like, like I've bounced in and out of so many things in, in, you know, even in talking to, uh, folks like, like whenever I would interview for different, uh, projects, they, they'd be like, man, your background is just really non-traditional. you know, like I can't figure out like, you know, what, what is it that you do or what do you want to do? Because mm-hmm. you've done so many di- different types of things. And to me, it's just like, I just want to keep learning. I want to keep put me in, I don't know, put me in anything in, you know, any environment really, I'm just excited about it. And I'll find ways to like, hopefully be like a really good problem solver and just like, you know, communicator and storyteller. But the thing I think that, um, one of the things I work hard at, now more than ever before i think is just the reading aspect like for me staying in tune with what's going on on a variety of different mediums and topics and industries is really important to me um that's I'm, what your grandfather told you listening yes exactly right? so it kind of comes full circle yeah and again indirectly Grandpa. Right? right yeah rest in peace ira <laughs> ira brown <laughs> he's a good man but yeah i try and i try and speak you know, just absorb everything and anything I can to the to the extent that I can, you know, I'm a dad now. And so I've got, I've got different responsibilities now than I did earlier in life, but I really try and like, I think tech has made that so much easier for us to stay in touch, to be able to share, to storytell, to life cast, whatever it might be. And sure, there's a lot of negativity that comes with it and just challenges, but on the, on the positive side and the beauty side, like, man, like, I love talking to people like, you know, yo, what, what do you, what are you listening to? Or what's that new app? Or, you know, what's like the one skill outside of, you know, timers and music and weather that actually someone's using in the world for, with Alexa, you know, (laughs) um, and finding out what that is. And, uh, like yesterday, someone, I think I was reading that how like there's a brand new, uh, skill for Alexa and Google home that is for wine pairing. So like if you oh, just amazing. come home and like, exactly. And it's like, Oh, that's actually one I might use. Right. Whereas did you know there's 40,000 skills now available? It's like skills are the new apps, right? It's mm-hmm. like, and yet only we all only really ever use two or three of them, but like, that's like a one that might break through. So I'm just excited to, to stay in the know and like talk to folks and just the exchange of information felt feels like it's never been easier to set up that those flows. The one other thing I heard that's really cool is uh, Marvel comics. 
is basically setting up a uh, audio universe. So they're doing it like they did with the movies, introducing the characters one at a time. Genius. And so uh, I know a guy who actually lives in Portland, Benjamin Percy. He wrote a Wolverine storyline. And so they've, they've like recorded it all. It's really high production, obviously. And now they're going to induce more and more characters and basically build an audio universe. Exact same template as they did with Netflix and those TV shows and same template as they did with the, uh, the movies. And I'm like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. And I mean, and you, you just talked now about having a kid, right? So being a dad. So does that kind of having somebody like that who's curious about the world and is asking questions and trying to figure out this crazy world that we're in, does that also inspire your creativity too and make you a better creative? I don't know if it makes me a better creative. I don't know what makes me a better creative, but, but absolutely, you know, my son being born and just, you know, being such a influence in my life right now and, and motivation and inspiration and all of those things combined just makes me want to be a better person and a better role model, but also, and not just for him, but like being a, it wants, it just helps sort of motivate me to be a better person in general, I think, because it's such a direct relationship with this little man that is like watching your every move, mimicking you, starting to now understand like uh, language and just the way that he is discovering the world gets me so excited to be working in an industry as a creative or as a designer to have an impact or an influence on how we create sort of the infrastructure that allows kids like my son and others to discover the world or allows folks like you and me at our age to rediscover the world. And so an example I'll give of that is we kind of grew up in the in like the era where of computing where we wanted to learn something we type into a search box right mm-hmm. he's never going to do that he's already saying stuff to google like my 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 home google home mm-hmm. he's saying hey google and then he'll say stuff like it's <laughs> like holy shit yeah um i, I joke with my wife he's never going to have to learn how to drive he'll because the auto uh, autonomy autonomous yeah. driving I was like, oh, he'll never need a driver's license. Like, you know, that'll be mm-hmm. a thing of the past. Like, you know, won't need to worry about these things. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, aside and from... It, follows, okay. it goes back full circle to what you're saying, which is he's going to take those things for granted. He's going to assume that everyone just didn't know how to drive. Totally. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so his his world is going to be a lot more different. It'll be different. And there'll be different challenges for, for him, too, because of that. Right? And so, um, yeah, you know, just trying to be empathetic to, to what he's going through and understanding that, but then also teaching him empathy and like, you know, trying to, as a parent, like, which is something that I'm just, you know, tr- still learning on the go kind mm-hmm. of every day, but, you know, just trying to expose them to different things, you know, playing, I still have my records, you know, like I can't get rid of them and, and I, I'll even put like records on the floor, even some that I probably shouldn't be because of the the, the meaning and the value, but um, I want him to touch it. I want him to like, even if he happens to scratch and break it, I'm, I'm sort of okay with it because, and you know, that's love. Uh, yo, right. I know <laughs> my Stevie wonder record. <laughs> yeah, come on. That's like, love. Oh man. Uh, yesterday we were listening to Michael Jackson and uh, man on the mirror came on and it was just like, man, sometimes, you know, music just has that profound effect, at least on me. And, that song came on and my wife and I, it just hit us both. And we were just like, like, what a beautiful song. You know, it's like when you forget about those, those moments and then like, boom, a, something like a song could come back and you just, it, it's like a good meal. You know, when you eat like a really good meal and mm-hmm. that satisfaction that you have, um, and you're just happy, you know, like it can really, you know, there's like those senses that, that hit you. Um, so 
That was my super long answer. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's a total enough. tangent to your question about. I do want to just. I I do want to close though, because you've touched upon this a few times, which is that you now work at Microsoft, and as you said, Microsoft has been around forever. Like it's been around for decades, and it's like one of those companies like Coke and Nike, right, where people kind of have certain connotations or certain baggage or certain ideas of what Microsoft is or isn't, and it may not even always be accurate, right? Because it's just like the company's been around for so long. And so can you just kind of elaborate a little bit on where Microsoft is and what they're doing and like uh, where you think that because you're you're responsible for the future, the whole future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, um, I'm definitely not responsible for the whole future. But um, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat just to see where these companies because that's how companies transition. Right. Like you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Right. So. So you, absolutely. I mean. Um, I feel super grateful to have this experience. Um, this is a great company to work for. There's like even like there's going to be challenges at any company and, and also like that you go work for or even working for yourself in any relationship, right? There's just it's, things are tough. Um, so if, I've absolutely had a lot of that here. Um, but on the flip side, when I think about the whole ex- adventure that I've been on, um, it's it's been remarkable i mean just the the learning aspect alone i feel like i went to grad school by just being here Mm -hmm. um i i have elevated my knowledge in so many facets of not just like hardcore technology stacks um but processes like um research methods to prototyping to tools to even the soft skills like the things that they don't teach you in school to prepare you for jobs like this like how to be a good storyteller how to actually talk in a team with people as opposed to being on your own in your dorm room uh how to create a really good powerpoint presentation or keynote for that matter you know so i've learned like i'm grateful for in many ways for so much of what i've learned here uh and then i've actually had the pleasure of of shipping a lot of really cool products here um as well for a lot of future facing stuff is where i've been focused on but I will say this, like one is the disclaimers, you know, I'm only uh, one person. So like, I don't speak for the entire company, but as a representative of the company, I definitely feel um, there's a lot of the values that our, our CEO Satya um, um, talks a lot about that I can resonate with. Like he sets a, what I believe to be a very positive influence for this company and the direction that he wants to take this company. He's been in this role for, I think three to four, like three to four years now. And from folks that I've talked to that have been here for 25 years and beyond, there's a lot of those folks here. They are, I haven't met one person that's been here that long. That's that, that hasn't said the same thing, which is, man, this guy came in here and has totally changed the company for the better. And the better it sounds like is the focus on people and empathy and actually saying the number one priority for all of us is to help people, right? Like we carry a badge around that on the back of it, it's like our mission for the whole company. So you're always reminded and it's all about empowering the world and every organization to do more. And so like allowing others to do more, like helping humanity is like a big deal. And so that feels great to work for a company like that. And, you know, they're making big investments in AI. They're making huge investments in cloud uh, computing. And, um, you know, they're making, you know, investments certainly in future facing technologies that are pretty exciting. Um, and it's a, it's becoming a crowded space. We certainly have competition and I think that only makes us stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but this company feels like it's evolving and the evolutions we're in the middle of that evolution you know we're sitting inside this beautiful tree house that who would have ever thought that i know this, is this so would cool. be uh you know refurbished wood and like it just smells good it's designed beautifully um 
the company's starting to put more emphasis on like good design and understanding that that what that leads to. And so I think it's a really good time to be at this company with the caveat that there's still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is a long way to go. And I don't know if there ever is even a tipping point that's like you've hit that mark, but I think you feel it. And for someone with my background, I'm just really appreciative to, to be able to come to work every day where I get to sort of get the exposure to all those things I mentioned, but then also to really try and dig in and solve, you know, human problems and thinking about how we can use tech to do that. Cool. So where can people find you and find all this positivity and hope and hockey and <laughs> Tribe Called Quest and Fresh Kicks? Where yeah, can people man. find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at or Instagram at holiday, just at Holiday Matinee, all one word, um, or HolidayMatinee.com. Um, yeah, hit me up anytime. And um, big shout out to my, my Holiday Matinee partner, Kieran, who's uh, been pretty much owning the editorial side of Holiday Matinee's blog for a couple years now. He's down in Oakland just killing it. Um, and he's probably got some fresh kicks on right now too. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks Dave for taking Yo, the time. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, um, Appreciate it. my name's Sammy. This has been my summer lair. You can follow me at my pal, Sammy. Thanks Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs>